Hello and welcome to Winning in Work, the show turning the rat race into a happy place. I'm your host, Nikki Pack, and today we're going to talk to Charlotte Lockhart, founder and CEO of The Four Day Week. The Four Day Week is a reduction in the work week where, while largely maintaining the same productivity, for example, shifting from a standard 40 hours to 32 hours, the same pay and benefits. This reduction has been proven to work well for employees and employers. In today's show, we'll discuss what the four-day work week looks like and how it has benefited and hindered businesses. We'll also discuss how you can see it working for your own industry. As always, be sure to listen all the way through for all the good bits and for future episodes, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Our guest today is Charlotte Lockhart. She is founder and CEO of the Four Day Week Global. Charlotte promotes internationally the benefits of a productivity focused and reduced hour workplace through the Four Day Week Global Foundation, which funds research into a four day week practices and the future of work and workplace well-being. She's on the board of the Wellbeing Research Center at Oxford University and the advisory boards of the US campaign and the Ireland campaign for the Four Day Week. So thanks, Charlotte, for joining us. My pleasure to be here. And firstly, I guess we'll kick off with what is the four-day week? Well, that's a very good question, actually, because it's a bit of a misnomer, really. Um, What we really advocate for is reducing worker hours. So that might be a four-day week, but our, you know, we are... uh, accepting of the fact that closing your office on a whole day is not necessarily practical for all companies. And so we advocate that what we call the 180-100 principle. So where you pay your staff 100% of their income, they work 80% of the time, and then they are asked to provide you with 100% of the productivity. So the business isn't losing out. Um, the staff is getting the um, reduced in time, but they also don't have a reduction in pay. Okay. So, that's, I mean, in an ideal world, that's what we all want, right? To work less hours for 100% of the pay. Um, but how, how, do you, how do you work that out? How does... How does that? How do you make yourself productive enough to be able to effectively 100% output for less time? Well, therein lies the rub, isn't it? So, um, so what we advocate in our uh, in our program is that uh, a business will work with its people to do several things. The first thing is actually to establish what true productivity is in our business, mm-hmm. because people confuse productivity with busyness. And we might be busy all day, but we're not necessarily productive all day. Um, And the difference between the two is um, basically described by this. You get to the end of a day, you get home and your partner says to you, how was your day? Now, day one, you've got your report done that you needed to have done. You went to important and relevant meetings. They didn't run over. There was agreed outcomes. You've achieved what you felt you needed to achieve for the day. And your partner says, how was your day? You say, I had a wonderful day. Yeah. Or you could go to work for the same number of hours and sit in a meeting for, and you're sitting there thinking, why am I here? I should, I've got that report on my desk that I still need to finish. And when you get home at the end of the day with that report still needing to be done after the children have gone to bed and your partner says, how was your day? And you say, it was rubbish. 
So it's about um, having a workplace where uh, leadership and uh, all of the staff and all people are clear about why they're there and what's important to achieve during the day that means that the company has its productive outcome that it's needed. That what is you, What are you employed to do? What are you paid to do to be there? And you're not paid to sit in unnecessary meetings. You're paid to attend important meetings. I'm using meetings as the analogy, but you're yeah. there to do the stuff that you're uh, uh, that you were employed to do, and so, 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 what we're talking about is is a program by where the C-suite decide that they want to reduce worker hours, and then they hand it over to their people to say, right, help us define what productivity is, help us to give you the workplace that means that we can value that productivity, and let's work out how we reduce hours while we're doing it. And so, the two are not. They they are interconnected. And then, of course, what happens is that when people have time, they get a lot of that stuff that they might do, like ringing the plumber at work, um, done in their own time. And they don't need to bring so much of what is disturbing their lives um, into the workplace. But they're also... better in their well-being as well. So when they come, A, you have less sick days, but B, they just come with the energy necessary to get the job done because they have sufficient enough rest or sufficient enough of outside um, life. I would say to to leaders uh, when, when when I'm talking, we need to remember that we borrow our people from their lives. Mm, I like that. And when you have that mindset, it, you actually recognize the place. Work isn't someone's life. As much as we might want it to be, it's not. And as much as they might want it to be, I mean, don't forget, there are lots of people out there who just live for their work. But if we want a whole society and we want our people to be whole, we actually have to recognize that we need all of those different things. And so so we have Labor Day here in New Zealand, and I believe you have one in the UK as well. Um, and what that, what that we're doing with that is we're recognizing and celebrating the 40-hour work week because we recognize that we should have eight hours of work, eight hours of play, and eight hours of rest. But of course, when we started the 40-hour work week, our society was constructed quite differently. Work was constructed quite differently. And so generally, it was just dad that went off to work. And then when he came home from work, he was there for family meals and family time at the end of the day. And weekends were about the family having time to be together or people being able to have time to engage in sport or their communities. And it wasn't about where is the Wi-Fi um, or, um, or you know, finishing off, you know, emails and dealing with emails on my um, on my phone. Uh, and family holidays weren't about where's Wi-Fi for us to all be connected and you know, shh, don't disturb mum and dad because they've j- I've just got to clear my emails for the day. We were able to properly switch off, and that has changed. And the pandemic has added in another layer of change because we are remaining um, working from home largely and we have stopped working from home. We're now sleeping at work and we know the studies have been done that suggest that work time has increased. It has opened up 
because my office is on the corner of the kitchen table now. And it's too easy and too tempting to go in. So lots of employers and, and many people that are that listen to your podcast, they're all grappling with you know, how do we help with this conundrum? We know it's not good. Um, and so therefore, by going on a, uh, a on a program by where you're truly recognizing what productivity is and truly recognizing the hours that necessary to do that, then you're giving your people the permission. You're putting in place the processes that allow people to connect out and go, right, this is my work for the day or the week or the month and I'm achieving that. That's what I'm contracted to do and I don't need to do anything else because my work wants me to be outside of work. And so it's it's a permission that you need to give yourself and it's a permission that your employers need to give you as well. Yeah, I can, that is 100% true. I think that's actually one of the biggest things is that it, is, it needs to be on both sides. It needs to be an employee and an employer um, agreement for sure. Um, I know so many of us will go back into work on a Monday and go, oh, I really wish that I had an extra day off. Um, and I wish I only worked four days. Um, so everything you say, completely understand. Um, but what was it that made you go you know what, I'm actually going to start the globe, uh, the four-day week, global four-day week foundation. What made you actually think, right, I'm actually going to do something about this? Well, so when we did the four-day week in our company here in New Zealand, Perpetual Guardian, we it was such a huge rip-roaring success and a big international you know, extravaganza, realistically. Um, Andrew has been interviewed in 96 countries around the world. But what it became clear when we travelled, and we spent part of our year up in the UK, and and this is obviously um, pre-pandemic, when travel was a thing that we did, but we would be, we would have people say, "Look, can we? Oh, look, oh, you're going to be in London or New York or whatever. Can we catch up with you? I want to pick your brains. I want to have a look at what you're doing. And that's academics and legislators and um, and companies and just people, journalists. And it became clear that there was a, a need for some sort of organisation that could cover all of this, but also bring in some of the other people that are doing interesting work in this space, whether they be academics or other advocates for reduced hour working, whether it be a four-day week or a 32-hour week, and actually how do we become a community? Because as a community, we are stronger. And and then the pandemic hit, <laughs> and <laughs> And it's like, oh, okay. So we decided to just like, you know, spend the first part of lockdown just listening because, uh, you know, obviously we all had the concern that there would be no work uh, and and we didn't want to be going out with, hey, how about do we just work less? And then everybody's going, hey, sure, I just want to work at all. Um, and we really needed the 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 you know the, the workplace to to get a chance to reframe itself. And what we're seeing, of course, is this whole concept of the great resignation where now uh, people are choosing, they're saying, I want to work for a place that gives me the style of work that I want. And employers are having to 
to to react to that and activate that. So the more and more we do that, the more conversations keep coming to us because people go, what if I had a four-day week? That's going to help me attract and retain great staff. And when, you know, people are coming to our employment and or in our employment process and they ask, what can the company do for me? I have an answer. Mm, I like that. And And the flexibility, I think that's the biggest thing that people need now. Exactly as you say, a pandemic almost was a catalyst for everything and people are now demanding what they want. People have the confidence, I think, to say, you know, I'm good at my job and I can do my work in this amount of time and rather than feel that they they have to do what the, you know, the employer says five days a week. Um, yep. Yeah, and I can do my work from home, or I can do my work from home two or three days a week, or, or actually, I need to come into the office. I mean, you know, I don't want to to not be talking to the people who still feel that they need to engage with with office work. So the workplace has to change, and so our program, whether you use it as a specific one for reducing worker hours, and obviously that's what we advocate for. But it's actually a really good system for establishing how you might do a very employee-engaged program to rework your workplace. So, yeah, it works for both. Hmm. So, is it limited to certain industries or, you know, can pretty much any, Is it? does it have to be office-based? How does it work exactly? No, it doesn't have to be office space. I mean, this is, I mean, it's obviously quite easy for people to see how it would work in the office. Just cut back on a bit of the meetings and a little bit less water cooler chat and you know what, let's not do yoga at work, let's do yoga with our friends. Um, but it's, it's, and so people often feel it a little bit more conflicting around how you make it work outside of that. But actually, it's not as hard as you think. And there are examples of industry, pretty much any um, industry, of, there's a company doing it. But what it requires is for management to be a bit agile in their thinking and a fully engaged uh, employee-led program to work out how we reduce uh, work hours in our business, whether that be because we've got shifts or we're a seven-day-a-week operation or... Um, or we've got uh, manufacturing office and, you know, some other aspect sales or, you know, people out and out and about. There are various different ways that you might need to look at how you reduce work in your workplace and how you support those different elements of your business uh, to being there. And you do it by asking the people who it matters the most to. Mm. Well, that's it. I mean, it's, so many times you do have leadership go into a room, make a load of decisions and say to their team and the workforce, right, this is what we're going to do going forward. But the idea of actually listening, saying to the employees, right, let's work together on this and let's, you know, you, you guys lead, what do you want? It does leave you in a position where, you know, eventually if the employees say that they're unhappy, you say, well, we went through a process and this is what we came up with. How can we amend it? Um, so it's always going to be a working, um, I guess, a working project. It's never just going to just um, be a one. It's not going to, definitely not going to be a one size fits all model. Um, but it's it's a lot more collaborative. It's a lot more innovative. It's it's exactly. pretty special, actually. Yeah, and 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 you know we get. Um, 
you know, I get business leaders all of the time come in and they go, oh, so how do you do, how do you, how do you, how do you, and it's, you know, how do you measure productivity? What? You're not measuring it now? Oops. Um, so what happens when leaders ask too many questions and need answers to those too many, to too many of those questions? They're not actually leading it open for their people to find answers that are unknown even to them. So usually what happens when you when you start on a program, so the C-suite decides they want to do it, uh, they hand it over to the staff and they get the staff to design the program and possibly, if you don't have them, uh, design or redesign your productivity measures. And as the staff work through that and they think and they look at their day and they look at their week and they look at what they do, as they actually analyse staff to try and find how they might do it differently, they, they learn things about themselves. They learn things about their job role and about their team, the way their team functions and their teams function within an organisation. And so all of that is not known at the beginning. And so you find out so much about your business that everyone's sometimes surprised about. There are some really ordinary things that, you know, just reduce meeting times um, that you can predict. But when you give people a chance to truly look at what they're doing, they surprise even themselves. And then great, because what are you doing? Your business is there to be productive. At its heart, a business's job is to be productive and make money. And we want businesses to make money because then you have shareholder return and shareholder investment back into the business and into the economy. We have taxes that get paid by the business and by its people, which means we get roads and schools and hospitals. So our economy requires successful businesses. And our employees require to work in successful businesses and not have to fear for their jobs. Um, But they also want to work in healthy environments. They want to be winning at work, as your podcast is is entitled. And so, what is the program we're giving them that sets them up for that? How do we enable them to truly win at work? Well, that's it. And I think that's one of the big things I, because I worked in um, professional services for many years um, before moving into workplace wellbeing. And I remember there was, it was always about being seen in the workplace. You wanted to be seen, you wanted to be at your desk for as many hours, you know, as many hours as possible. Um, you always wanted to be contactable. You wanted to be able to respond to the emails. And I remember, you know, Things exactly as you say, yoga in the office was known as a big thing because it meant that you never left the office. Everything was where you were. Um, and that's all now starting to change where people are starting to think, actually, I want to leave the office. I want to be, I want to be able to be at home with my kids at the same time as, um, you know, if I just need to answer one or two emails, I don't want to be in the office that entire time. Um, So it's really interesting because, as you say, you know, the employees, you know, coming forward and saying, actually, this is what I want. Um, It's it's moving forward into the future of work. It's, It's moving work into something that, you know, everybody comes together to to build the business. It's see employees are not just working for the employer, they're working with the employer. Um, and that's that's actually something that I don't think there are a lot of companies that still need to move into that way of thinking. 
Look, businesses cannot exist without their employees. It's a partnership. And if you have an us and them culture, you've got a different problem. <laughs> but if you're wanting to crack through some of that, this will be the best team engagement or team building exercise you ever do. Um, and so, and it's about empowering them. And people often sort of say to me, you know, how do I broach this with my boss? How do we, how do we have that conversation? And I think at its heart, you've got to remember that your boss, the CEO, if we're talking that high up, and the CEO reports to the board, their job is to make money for the shareholders. And the board's also got the the you know, the the um, unfortunate and 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 unattractive requirement to be compliant and and regulatory as well. So what you've got to do is you've got to sort of frame it in their language, and you've got to so you you. Go to your employer and you say, uh, we would like to run an employee-led program that examines and improves productivity within our business. And if we can uh, do that successfully and find ways which we can reduce the amount of time that we need to be in the office, then we would like to have a reduced hour workplace. And we would like to work with you to find out what that is. But you've got to come from the productivity. There are, to be fair, there are lots of bosses out there who think well-being should be at the center of what they do. And if you've got one of those bosses, then lead with well-being. Hey, I've got this great well-being program. Um, and, and they'll have already be considering it anyway. So perhaps just giving them that that pathway. Of course, one of the employer's um, fears is often, you know, oh God, if I want to make a change, how are my staff going to cope with that? Um, so sometimes it just needs, you just need to feel like there's a partnership between you and your, and your people. If you're a union-led um, or union-representative workplace, then you probably want to, you know, get, the union involved as well so that you're not then going doing running off and doing your program and then having your union behind you missing out on the journey and not necessarily helping with that um and look i think most unions are on board with this there are a few that are um well we should just work less without reducing pay and we shouldn't have to be more productive but you know if we're if we're in this partnership space then you know we, are, we we're recognizing that. So yeah, so just you know, say to your say to your boss, I'm I'm keen to explore how we can increase productivity and have that lead to us having more time off. Yeah, I like that. Does that mean? I guess the one thing is to say by moving down to thirty two hours, you know, um, in terms of holiday and things like that, you're actually almost taking. You're you're almost forcibly taking that holiday bit by bit throughout the throughout the year, rather than. Well, you still get your holidays, of course, because we're actually not taking away your holidays. And so, so what what you know what you've got to remember is we're not spreading your holidays over the year. You still get those. Uh, we are reducing the amount of time that you work during the week, uh, and so. The key thing with this, so often what I suggest to employers is don't try and change employee contracts because that's another layer yeah. of complexity that is um, that is really hard to manage. So what you what we do at Perpetual Guardian and was the legal advice that we got in New Zealand, and I'm fairly sure it would apply in a lot of other 
especially common law jurisdictions, is we actually have our staff opt into what we call the Productivity Week. And therefore, they are, this is an opt-in. Um, but your your holiday pay, your sick pay, all of those things remain despite the fact that you are working less hours. And the reason for that is because you are still producing for your employer what you were contracted to do in the first place. Right? You haven't, you're not breaking your contract. If you think about it, yes, your contract might say you need to be here at these hours and all that sort of stuff. That's the amount of time you're being paid for. But in reality, your job exists because there's something that needs to be done. And so you're saying, I'm going to do it in less time. And that's what I want. So you're breaking the nexus between being paid for time and being paid for the job that you do. And that sometimes in some employers' employment environments where people are paid or bill on time, sometimes requires a little bit of imagination on the part of the the C-suite around how they do that. The classic is lawyers, right? Lawyers bill in six-minute blocks and all that. Well, that's what they say they do, right? They go, you know, but actually lawyers don't bill in six-minute blocks. What lawyers do is measure their people in six-minute blocks. And at the end of the month, they, or a piece of work, they look at all of those blocks, they add them all up, they see what the number is, and then they invoice the client what they think the client will pay. And it's hardly ever, you ask law firms around the world, it's hardly ever the sum total of the six-minute blocks. And so, and then the other thing that I challenge people like that is I go, well, look, you know, is my six-minute block that you did at nine o'clock in the morning the same in value to me in terms of quality of the work as a six-minute block that you might have done at nine o'clock at night? And so, actually, what we're looking for, and there isn't a person on the face of this earth that wants to be invoiced based on time. They want, if I've got a legal problem or a solution that I'm looking for, I want you to give me the solution. Invoice me for that. Do a piece of work for me that I can value, and I will pay you the value of that piece of work. And so, it's, it's, it's how we do that. And the other thing that is really important is that it's about the quality of the relationship with your clients. So there are three things that you need to take into consideration when you're looking at this. What does it do for the business? So it has to keep the productivity high. It has to keep the business imperatives still need to be taken into consideration. What are our clients' needs? whether they're external clients or internal key stakeholders or whatever, who the person that is impacted by your job, and then what do the people need? And so those three things are equally as important and no, no one of them is more important than the other. And so therefore, you've, you know, you've got to be looking at how is this going to impact on our clients and you need to take them on a journey as well and explain to them, this is why we're doing it. We, we, we recognize that our people work really hard when they're with us. We want the quality of the work to be the best it can be when they're with us uh, and then we want to give them back their lives. And most clients will, uh, will, will ag- agree that that's a good thing. What? You know, and clients are no different from children. They're just, oh, well, how is that going to impact on me? 
Well, just make sure you're clear with your communications with them and make sure you give them an opportunity for feedback as well. You know, you know, hey, tell me how our reduced hour workspace work thing is impacting on you. They might need to adjust how they they engage with your business. You know, they might have to decide that they can't be as needy as they might be otherwise, or they might need a different way of communicating with you. Well, I guess that's it, isn't it? Because even because it's exactly as you said, it wasn't that you're not shutting down the business. It's not that every, um, on one day a week, every it's not every single Friday the entire place closes down. It's that well, some businesses some businesses do. Some businesses do. So for you know, and that works for some businesses. Some businesses, it's a three day weekend, whether it be a Friday or a Monday. Some businesses take a Wednesday. I'm a big fan of the Wednesday. How's this? Is that you're all, whenever you're at work, you've either had yesterday off or you've got tomorrow off. Wednesday's a great day to have off. And, and no if, you think about, if you think about it from a mental health or physical health perspective, if you've got people in your organization who are struggling and you might not know who they really are, um, that if they can work two days at a time and then have one day off and then work another two days, they'll be really productive for you because they're getting mm-hmm. rested at, 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 um, at different times. I get lots of businesses say to me, oh, we're going to take Fridays off because we've had a bit of a look at it and Fridays is our least productive day. And I'm like, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> You're asking the wrong question. Why is Friday the least productive? Because it's followed by Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or it's preceded by. Yeah. So, um, so what we're looking at is uh, disrupting and pivoting the way we work to find out how we work best and bringing that to work and taking everything else home. Yeah. It's also a nice way of getting employees, exactly as you say, it's the mental health um, of your employees as well. And it's, you know, for companies that, that are always wanting to be seen in the workplace, it's at, for an employer to turn around and say, actually, we're going to look at how we can work with you to find solutions to make, you know, you have a life outside of work as well. It's actually changing the mindset of employees as well as employers, because it isn't always the employers that want their employees to work and the employees don't have a say in it. A lot of the time it's because the employees have been pushing themselves to always be seen that they need to change that mindset as well. And it's really important for the leaders in your organisation to jump into this, and you know, as I say, leave loudly, um, and you know, and and have leaders that have young families. Um, I mean, we've got one chap who uh, comes in five days, but he comes in at ten o'clock in the morning, having walked his daughter to school. Oh, you know, yeah. and how many fathers? I mean, we, I, I get all of the the, the, the mother's stories because there are a million times we, we, you know, we women are traditionally the ones that make that sacrifice of getting the kids to school. But how many dads just would love that pleasure? And the great thing about that is it's so important to him that when he comes to work, he makes sure he gets his job done because last thing he wants is for the company to stop doing this and he'll have to come back to work and be at work at 8.30 in the morning and not be able to walk his daughter to school. We had one um, one, one of the most fantastic stories that came out of our trial with Perpetual Guardian is one of our team leaders 
uh, or department heads actually, he's on the leadership team, um, he went to his child's school and collected the child from school on his first day off that he had. And this young boy comes out of the class, sees his father there, runs up to him, wraps his arms around his father's legs and says, Daddy, what are you doing here? Oh. You know, and it's like that moment is now always part of his life. And it's like, you know, I can be there. And so if we want gender balance, you know, we've done so much to try and get women more engaged in work and getting work to suit the tempo that women need because of the decisions we make. Uh, Obviously, physically, we have to carry the children anyway, but then there are all sorts of little decisions we make around care, whether it be children or parents or whatever, we, we do make different decisions from our male counterparts. And so we've done so much to make the workplace suit us. We haven't given our men, so we've done all this work pulling women up, but we haven't given our men the chance to get out. And so, so much of what we need and so much of the beauty of uh, a reduced our workplace and valuing it across the entire company is that we give men that opportunity too because they want to be able to do that, but society hasn't constructed. It's getting there. We're getting there. But the permissions necessary still need to be reinforced. It's true. The amount of dads that I have spoken to during lockdown that have said one of the best things about lockdown is being there for their children is is insane. It's And it goes to show that it's not it's not about dads not wanting to be there. They've always wanted to be there. They just haven't been given the opportunity to. Um, and so they it's, haven't it taken really the opportunity. I think it's possibly more a little bit of the not taking the opportunity, to be quite honest. I'm sorry, any of you chaps that are listening. <laughs> I feel I'm being a bit hard. But the, the reality is women make different decisions on the whole. Uh, and that's uh, we do that willingly or seemingly willingly. Um, and But... But we, but men need to to, to step up. I mean, there was I, I I meant to write his name down actually, but there was some chap on Twitter in the US the other day works for a private capital firm, um, and he's he thinks that parental paid parental leave is is a ridiculous idea, and certainly any man that takes time off uh, at um, at, at the birth of his child is just a wuss. And is a big wow. fan of traditional um, roles. And I'm like, are you living in the 20th century? I mean, we've moved on from that. I think we moved on about 1980, you know. But, of course, yeah. in the UK and New Zealand and places like that, we, we value – we don't call it maternity leave anymore. It's parental leave, right? And we are focused in on that. And it's not because we think that um, – that it's right, but it should be what men want. I mean, who wouldn't want to spend those formative months having a chance to get to know your child? It's the blessing that most of the, us women get, and it's just we should need to share that. And our, we know that our children are better off for having better relationships with their fathers. So anyway, so he's I'm I'm gonna unfriend him, I tell you. If he's a connection of mine, he's gonna I'm unfriend. <laughs> disconnect. Oh. 
Big time. I was going to say, I have a four-month-old <laughs> as we speak, um, so the four-month sleep regression is real. Um, so yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm struggling big time. But um, but actually, one of the biggest things, you know, um, for for me is having is having my husband here because he he's Kiwi and I'm from the UK. Um, so we, it's interesting how we. You're exactly right. We have the same um, family values for sure, and. Um, and it is, it's, it's tricky. It is really, really tricky um, to do it on your own, actually. I've, I've been very grateful, been grateful for lockdowns <laughs> because <laughs> it meant that I, uh, I didn't have to do it all on my own. Um, well, so yeah, and, really and, and he gets a chance to truly be there without any guilt. And then he sets an example for fellows that will follow. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a big passion for mine. I mean, you know, there's so many reasons why reducing work hours is important because then the next thing is COP26 and the environment. So, but I th- you don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think is, um, I guess, sort of um, looking into the future here with, you know, the, the pandemic and sort of moving forward from there? I mean, what do you think is going to happen for the future of work? Because it does make sense to have more um, four-day weeks for people to be able to manage their own productivity because, you know, we are all adults. Um, do you see Do you see employers now actually wanting to look into new ways of changing the face of work? Because effectively, the pandemic's given us up that opportunity to do so. It has. I mean, you know, there was a piece of research out uh, the other day from um, Otago University that said that um, working from home didn't suit 36% of the population, which means that it works for 64% of the population. But different question. So So now we know that because we all went and worked from home. Previously, we didn't have as much work from home as we uh, should have had, um, and we've proven the point that we can. But prior to the being able to work from home, did working in the office not suit sixty-four percent of the workforce? Because we, did, but we, you know, it wasn't something that we could study, and it wasn't something that we necessarily had any comparison for. So I think moving forward, this is something that employers are truly starting to understand. They recognise that well-being at work is, you know, winning at work is connected to well-being at work. I think the difference we've got is the whole great resignation thing going on, but also we've got a recognition that for the last 10, 15 years, we've been talking about health and safety in the workplace, but realistically, all we've been talking about is safety. So now now we understand that burnout is real. You don't have to be in the C-suite in an executive position to burn out. We recognize that everyone has times when they struggle and that the mental health and physical health journey of our population, not just our employees, but our entire population, is important if our country is going to succeed. And so, yeah, judging by the number of companies that connect in with us, it's um, it's alive and well. And if you want to not have your employees flood to your to your opposition because they've introduced a four day week, then you know this is something that you truly, truly have to be um, to 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 be looking at. We're we're running concerted pilot programs in Ireland and the US um, 
Q1 and 2 next year. Um, and then after that, we will be bringing those programs down to Australasia and and up into Europe as well. Um, and through that, we create a community of companies that are doing it together and learning from each other and supporting each other and creating that groundswell. Um, and by doing that, we show government that it works and we show government the benefits of it and we create that from, again, we're creating it from the bottom up. We don't need government to necessarily um, get involved just yet. We want to show them how it works and then they can then create legislation that supports the variances of it because if they jump in too soon, they're just going to, you know, they're going to get it wrong because there's not enough information. So it's not. I'm not criticizing their ability to get it right. I'm just saying they need more information to be able to do that. And so we, we, you know, we're going to work with them um, on that. Um, theoretically, it'll be the same government at the time. Uh, we have not got an election between now and then. So um, you know, we, we're we're going to work with them on that and yeah, awesome. bring bring reduced hour working to New Zealand. That would be yeah. That would be a complete game changer for sure. It would. Um, Any company that wants to talk to me about it, just connect on in. Awesome. I, w- I will definitely, um, yeah, if they want to get hold of you, what's the best? Um, the best be- way to get hold of me? Yeah, so, so, so jump, jump onto our website, which is fourdayweek.com. Uh, so there's all sorts of things. So there's the white paper from the Perpetual Guardian experience that you can download. So have a have a good look at that. There's a link to how you can get Andrew's book. I really recommend you get Andrew's book. Um, there's so much in there, and particularly for the New Zealand market, where it, the, you know the experience is entirely New Zealand. But if you're an overseas listener, and um, you know, and, and there's still it's you know that you won't regret having bought the book so there's those tools that you can do um but you can you know and but through the website there is how you connect in with us whether you're wanting to join a pilot program or whether you're wanting more information or whether you want to speak to me directly awesome thank you charlotte um you've already answered this question but i ask everybody on the podcast what does winning in work mean to you Oh, look, it's so, it's such a big question, isn't it? But realistically, it means having the appropriate amount of time at work and going home so you can win at home too. Oh, I like that, winning at home. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially if you've you got a four-month-old. <laughs> I'm never winning at home with a four-month-old. <laughs> Mine are all grown up, but my 23-year-old's sitting here behind me, so. (laughs) I have to say, I didn't realise until becoming a mum how hard it is, and I have a lot of time for parents everywhere, Um, but I, I you don't. You just don't realise it until you're in it. (laughs) It's going to work when the baby sleeps. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah I kick myself yeah, for like that one. <laughs> yeah. and it can't be that hard yeah yeah no, exactly <laughs> but oh, I'm, look, uh, um, they that the that it is the most amazing thing that you can do in life um it's the most frustrating thing that you can do in life but um as someone once said to me when my young boys were little my young men uh, nothing smells like my child 
It's true. Very, very so, true. So I, <laughs> I wish all of your listeners the absolute best at winning at work. Uh, and if they want to reduce work, then I am their gal. Thank you very much, Charlotte. Um, I know we have a lot of US listeners as well as UK, as well as uh, Kiwi listeners as well. So, um, yeah, definitely to the US listeners, please do um, head over to the website to look at the pilots um, for the US because that is. Yep. So we've got a final a final US pilot um, session coming up, um, but the, the information on how to join the pilot is all there. Awesome. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Um, no problem. Yeah, um, you've told us how we can find out, uh, find out more and how we can find you and all of that will be added into the show notes as well. So Absolutely. thank you very and feel much. Free to look, feel free to connect to Andrew and I on LinkedIn if, 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 that's, your, if that's your gig. Awesome. Thank you very Great. much. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Winning in Work. If you enjoyed today's show, we'd love you to subscribe, rate and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, head over to winninginwork.com to gain access to our free career resources. Till next time. 